Well, what does it mean to be human? In some ways, that's the great question of our century. It's it's sort of become a question again, since many people have abandoned belief in a creator. Our society asks, well, if there's no creator, what does it mean to be human? And perhaps we could identify four different ways that people try to answer the question today. Some will say, well, what does it mean to be human? Well, we're nothing more than advanced mammals. We have no particular purpose other than survival of the species. Eat, sleep, continue our species. Others will say, no, 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 that's not satisfying. There's got to be more to it than that. Each of us is here to achieve something. And so when you answer the question in this way, life becomes work. We study, we prepare, we look for jobs, we climb the ladder, we tick off our goals and our achievements and then have to come up with new ones. Still others today will say, no, 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 don't. It's, it's not that's the capitalist system. It's not your job that defines you. What, what's at the centre of who you are is, is your sexual identity. To, to be truly human is to discover your sexual identity and, and to find a partner who, who you can express that identity with and find a community who will celebrate your identity. That's sort of the, the, the latest thing. Whereas, actually, for for people who have a more traditional mindset, they'd say, no, 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 life is all about children. Your meaning and your significance is all tied up in your children's education and in your children's achievements and in your children's morality. And so for, for many Aussies, it's just all a bit confusing. Perhaps there are times where you felt as if you're being pulled in four different directions. Well, today I want to go back and I want to see, well, hang on, if there is a creator and if our creator has revealed his character and his attentions to us here in his word, what does he say about what it means to be human? This morning, as we look at, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. And, and I aim to show you how four strands of human identity are beautifully woven together. And the four strands that we're going to look at this morning are dignity, direction, distinction, and blessing. So I couldn't quite make them all start with D. And so, dignity. You notice in Genesis chapter 1, humans are created on day 6. Now, you might remember from last week, day 5, God creates, he, God creates birds and fish to fill the sea and sky. And then on day 6... 
God creates all sorts of animals to fill the land. And in many ways, created on day six, we are just like the other land animals. Bones, blood, bowels, brains. We eat, we sleep, we taste, we smell. Uh, What is it? Something like 96% of our DNA is the same as a chimp. 80% of our DNA is the same as a dog. And yet, though we share so much in common with all these creatures around us, there is a special dignity given to human beings in this chapter. See, look, at the end of verse 25, okay, God's made all the other animals and he pauses and he looks and he sees that they're good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And, and here's something which sets us apart from the animals. So, so what does it mean that we are made in God's image. Well, uh, here I am, and here's my image. My, my image, uh, it's not the same size as me. It doesn't have all the powers that I have. And yet by looking at the image, you can learn a lot about me. Uh, You know, back when this was written, uh, there were great Middle Eastern kings ruling over large empires. And one of the ways that those kings would demonstrate their authority over all the different cities was they would have statues of themselves made up. And uh, the, the statues, literally images made up. And these images would be placed in all the different cities so that everybody knew who was in charge. And they they still do that in the Middle East today. I remember when I lived there, there were posters of the president on every light pole down the main street. And then when the revolution happened and he stepped down, they went and ripped down all the posters. Humanity is created in a way that, that more than anything else on this earth, by our nature, we show what our creator is like. And when we compare humans to animals, we have a level of capability which goes far beyond the animals. For example, speech. Animals can communicate simple things. My cat meows when he wants me to know that he's hungry. But human speech is so much more than that. We we can ask and answer deep philosophical questions. We can put our speech into writing and send it around the world. And ultimately, this is because we are in the image of a God who speaks. Or think about music. Birds can hold a note, but humans are able to bring together an orchestra. And we use music to express all sorts of emotions. And some are 
more talented than, well, me. But, you know, even though I'm not a great musician, I'm still moved by a great tune when I hear it. And this is all because we are in the image of a God who, who sings and who delights, who is personal, who's not a giant cosmic robot. Think about manufacturing. Uh, during the week I watched a, a video about beavers building a dam. Absolutely amazing. And yet it's nothing compared to what humans have been able to build. That's because we are made in the image of a God who is the greatest constructor of all. And you know, for, for all the similarities between me and my cat, there's something that my cat doesn't do at all, so far as I'm aware. My cat doesn't pray. See, out of, out of everything that God has put on this earth, only humans are able to relate to God as our heavenly Father. Out of everything that God has placed on this earth, only humans are able to connect with the Creator who is beyond this earth. And so lots of people have tried to summarise in a few words what does it mean to be made in the image of God. Um, here's my attempt to summarise it. It's to know and to show. To be made in God's image means that we have the capability to know our creator and to show the world what he's like. And this actually... Being made in God's image and, and recognising that really matters for how we live our lives. Because if we were just animals and nothing more, then what's to stop us living like animals? I mean, years ago there was that song on, that was, this song was on the radio like once every five minutes. Um, and the song went, You and me, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals. So let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Like that's the, that's the logical outcome. But if, as the Bible says, we are more than just mammals, then there is a reason to treat every human with a special kind of respect. Now sure, there are, there are plenty of people in Australia who don't believe in God, but they still try to treat people with respect. But the question is why? I mean, just about everybody feels that they should treat humans with respect, but why? Here in the Bible, we have a reason to live in a way which recognises the value of humanity and which shows what God is like. This is our special dignity. This is also our special responsibility. I mean, you could say that to live in a way which, which shows God's character, to, to live in a way which shows God's love and his goodness and his holiness and his faithfulness, that's, that's what we call righteousness. But to live in a way which 
misrepresents God. Well, that's what we call sin. I mean, don't, don't you hate it when someone misrepresents you? Could, Janice, can I, can I pick on you? If, if I say, hey, this is my friend Janice and, and, and she supports nuclear war. I think, I think Janice would say, excuse me? No, I don't. And yet, when we who have been created in the image of God are uncaring and untrustworthy and unkind, don't we misrepresent him? So this is why sin is so serious. This is why sin is offensive to God. This is why we need a saviour who is in the image of God and who represents God truly. But we'll get to that. Let's, for now, let's keep going in Genesis. Because not only did God give us special dignity, he also gave us a job to do. He gave us direction. Uh, we're still in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26. So Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may what? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We were made in God's image so that we may rule. God is the great ruler of everything. He's placed us here to rule over the earth as his representatives. A little bit like, okay, so you've got Charles is our king, but he doesn't live in Australia, so he's appointed a governor general as his representative to, 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 to sign things and, and exercise his authority here. What does it mean for us in practice to rule over the animals? Well, well on, one, on the one hand, it means that we don't just let everything run wild. God is a ruler who brings order out of chaos. And so the earth needs to be managed in such a way that it more reflects the beauty and the order of the creator. And actually this is, this is the foundation of science and technology we study the world. We put that knowledge into practice. But of course, as we go about all of that, we, we realise that in our modern industrial age, science and technology can be misused and has caused great destruction when it's been used selfishly or unwisely. I mean, surely when rivers are polluted and Species become extinct. Surely that doesn't reflect the kind of rule over the animals that, that lines up with a creator who delights in everything he made. And so our task is to have a wise and God-honouring combination of environmental intervention and environmental conservation. If you go to the very end of the Bible... Revelation chapter 22, when it talks about the new creation, 
You read, you read that last chapter of the Bible and it's, it's both a garden and a city. It's been both developed and conserved. And so God has given us direction. And this, this direction is the foundation for all work, whether we're talking paid work or unpaid work. Work alone is not all that our life is about, but work is an expression of our identity as created in the image of God. The third strand we see here is that there is distinction between male and female. Verse 27, so this is their memory verse. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You notice that as humans are introduced, there is an, there is an equality here. Male and female equally in the image of God. The image of God is expressed in humanity as a whole. But while there is equality, there is also distinction and the distinction is good. You might remember all through Genesis chapter 1, God makes good distinctions. It says he separates night and day, waters above and below, land and sea. It's the the differences and the distinctions between men and women that can make human relationships all the richer. And so let's accept our identity as male or female since that's our good creator's good gift to us. Now obviously this is a this is a, a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? During the week, there, there was this photo that went viral on a whole lot of the news services um, of a couple in India. So, so in the photo, there's, there's a man who's transitioning to live as a woman in relationship with a woman who's transitioning to live as a man. And in the photo, the one with the pregnant belly is also the one with facial hair. Now, I'm not even going to attempt to fully explore the whole transgender question today. Um, Later in the year, in Term 3, I'm hoping that we'll do like a Sunday night training series on gender and sexuality. But perhaps a, a, a practical question for us in our day is, I wonder how would we respond if that couple turned up at our church? From this, I hope that, first of all, we would treat them with dignity as created in the image of God and of great value. I would hope that we would, we would be understanding that there are people who, who really feel like they're trapped in the wrong body. That doesn't mean that feeling is right, I mean, this is part of, part of humanity being fallen, is that we can feel all sorts of things that don't necessarily line up with reality. Well, I know that uh, when I have a fever, I can feel really cold. Whereas what's the reality? I'm actually hot. 
I mean, if, if that couple turned up at our church, I would hope that before telling them how they should dress, that our, our first aim would be to introduce them to their good creator. I would hope that they could come to know the creator's love expressed in Jesus who died for sinners. But, but I would also hope that once they find peace with God in Jesus, that they would also find peace with how God made them. I hope that eventually they would learn to readjust their lives in a way which accepts that God did give me the right body. I'm sure that would actually take quite a bit of time to work through. And I, I know you've got more questions about that. Please come and ask me later. But where are we up to? Being human means that we are created with dignity, we're given direction, we're made with distinction, and finally, blessing. Verses 28 down to 31, God blesses humanity. I mean, this task, rule over, rule over the whole earth. That's actually quite a big task, isn't it? It's too much for one man and one woman. So he blesses them. He tells them, go ahead and have children. And at the same time, he provides them with food. Um, I know, for my own family, um, I went into into full-time theological study without any kids and a few years later I came out of full-time theological study with three kids and I I look back and I still haven't quite figured out how God provided for us in those years but he did it's interesting the percentage of Australians claiming to be Christians that percentage has something roughly halved since 1970 And during that same time, our birth rate has also halved. In fact, time and time again, you look around the world, the the total population of the more secular parts of the world, like China and Europe, the, the population is actually shrinking. And the population of these places is predicted to go on shrinking for the next 50 years or more. Whereas you look at places like Africa, where Christianity is strong, the population is predicted to triple. And so there's a whole lot of reasons for that. But surely a part of it is that if you stop believing in a creator... who's blessed mankind, then you lose confidence in having children. I've no doubt there's questions to be asked about, you know, uh, what's the population limit that our planet can sustain? But as things stand today, there is enough food to feed everyone. If it wasn't for corruption, social breakdown, war. I mean, they're the things that need to be fixed in our world. 
And so all of us have experienced the blessing of God providing for us. You, you, you had breakfast this morning. You experienced some of the blessing that God talks about here. I know that not all of you are able to have children. Maybe, maybe you're single. Maybe, maybe you married, but it just hasn't worked out for you to be able to have kids. That's one of the sorrows of living in a fallen world. I should be clear that having children is one of God's blessings. But it's not an essential part of being human. Because actually, the things, all the things that we've looked at today, as, as, you, as you look forward in the story of the Bible, having children is the one thing which will not continue to happen in eternity, in the new creation. Because, okay, what we've looked at today is only the very start of the human story. And I want to I wrap up by reminding you where this is all going because you can't actually make sense of the start of the story without seeing where this is going. The Christian story flows through four great chapters. Creation, fall, redemption, new creation. Today we've seen how in the beginning, at creation, humanity was made very good. But in the fall, we still have the dignity of being made in God's image, but we misrepresent him. Though we've been given direction from God to be his representatives on earth, we make a mess of it. Though we've been created male and female and this is good, we we end up with, with toxic masculinity or angry feminism. As a human race, we've been blessed by God. And yet, there's still up to 800 million hungry people on earth today. And so what's the solution? How can this be redeemed? Well, that's what we read about in our New Testament reading. The Son of God, the image of the invisible God, comes in human flesh. The Creator entered his creation. But by becoming a man, he affirms the dignity of humanity. And he represents God as he should. First, he worked faithfully as a builder. And then he took up the particular direction that God had for his life. Uh, He is male, but he's able to treat both men and women with respect. And when it comes to blessings, well, he trusted God to provide. He didn't marry or have children. In fact, Jesus' life was cut short. His blessings were taken away as he gave himself up on the cross so that we can have peace with God. And there's this song that we used to sing in the evening service and maybe, maybe one day we'll introduce it. But one of the verses in the song goes like this. Jesus came in the flesh to this world, the exact perfect picture of God, entered into the mess from the fall. 
He was shattered that we might be whole. Because when Jesus rose, he rose as the head of the new creation so that everyone who comes to him will be renewed in the image of God. If you trust in him, you can look forward to this new creation where you will be made like him in his humanity. He's the one who will bring completion a completed world into existence. He brings this garden city that we talked about where, where the good things of the world are conserved and the, all the potential of the world is developed. He's the one who will be worshipped by men and women in love and unity for all eternity. In him we have every blessing, everything we need. Friends, the Bible gives us a a picture of humanity which is good. Jesus came for human flourishing. And the great call of the Bible is that you come to him and that you continue in him. And that you trust him to restore everything that was good in the beginning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a saviour you've given us. You've given us a a human saviour who in his human body died for our sins and rose for our eternal restoration. Our Father, please enable us to respond to Jesus by treating every human with dignity and respect. Our please enable us to continue in him, filled with hope when we feel the, the pain of the fall. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.